I don't need you voice shaming me like every time I try to enjoy a song. Well, maybe you should sing better. Oh, I'm. Oh, let me. It's flaunting your ableism at every at every turn. All right. Welcome Able, to the trans. Ableism. Yes, you're able to sing apparently, and I'm not. So that's apparently you know, I feel I feel hate crimed right that's now. That's unfortunate that's, for that's, you. Yeah. Welcome maybe you should try being a better singer. Oh wow. Again, this is what I deal with here on the Transmit Podcast. I'm your. Well, I'm, I'm Samantha. I'm Spike. I'm Victor. Hey, hey, that's that a little weird. Here, you get. What's going on with that? That's. Did you not plug his microphone in? No, his microphone is totally plugged. It's like it's plugged in, but. Yeah. Um, so on today's podcast, we are talking about um, another another war film, The Great Escape, uh, which is actually one of my all-time favorite films. Not not just because it has the likes of James Garner and Steve McQueen. I figured it um, out. Oh yeah, what was the problem? I, I got to turn on Phantom Power. Phantom Power. Phantom Power. Hmm. Phantom power. I mean, I still don't hear Victor. Try it now. Before we get into that, oh, there it is. Uh, we're going to look at men's clothing. Oh, uh, yeah, because I believe that the double-breasted shirt is the pinnacle of masculine clothing. And uh, I think uh, the world needs to be aware of this. Double-breasted. So, so, for example, like what we're seeing here. Chuck Norris wearing in on the left in this face-off with oh, yes. Dave Carradine. He, he's a lawman. He this is actually like uh, he wanted to make this Walker Texas Ranger, but he couldn't for this movie, so he had to come up with a whole new character. But uh, what th- movie is this from? I told I I spaced the name just now because I want here. Um, uh, crap. Now it see. looks kind of like a chef's uh, shirt. It it does. It does have that same kind of buttoning pattern. Or like a Civil War shirt. Yeah. Yeah. Right. He'd be on the union though, because good thing it's a blue shirt. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, look at everyone behind. Everyone's wearing seventies clothing. So. Yeah. Everyone's, yeah. Everyone's wearing seventies clothing. But uh, you know, maybe in this movie, Chuck Norris is a historical Carradine revisionist, movie. revivalist. Re- yeah. <laughs> it's Lone Wolf McQuaid. He's holding someone else's hand too. You oh yeah. No. Yeah. He just he just took care of some dudes, his buddies, who were like causing Stop trouble. You, you know, like in these seventies movies, like they'd have a whole bunch of like there'd be a crew causing trouble. And then the boss would show up and be all calm and cool while he was laying down like the law. Mm. And so this is what I was thinking: like I, I, I should, um, I, I should start wearing double-breasted button-up shirts, or geese. Just or, wear geese around. Just wear gi- oh, dude, oh, that would be a good uh, clothing idea. Like the just the just, urban geese. The urban geese. Oh, okay. Patent pending. Patent pending. Urban, urban geese. Gi- you don't have to be a martial artist to wear it. You just like you just <laughs> enjoy wearing a geese. Yeah, come on. So look, I, I looked online, and this one looks a little fancier than the one like uh, Lone Wolf McQuaid was wearing. And I think, it, look, that's like business, like Dracula. It almost looks like uh, something like an admiral in Star Trek. Can you get it in a, yeah. a, a dark Ooh, color? A nice. Uh, is, that, is that royal blue? That's it's a science like officer right oh, there. Yeah. See, that's it's a little more dignified. Yeah, that's science officer. <laughs> the the red one was was command, obviously, and. Uh, Oh, we'll go go full um, black. Oh, that's nice. I don't have gold though for. Well, yeah, engineers. they. No, but you know what they do have? White. Chef's coat. Oh yeah, see, I could be, I could both chase my dream as a martial artist slash chef slash manly man. This actually kind of looks like something you might see in a super upscale hotel with Ooh. maybe <laughs> the um, bellman wearing it or. Um, even like a concierge, right? Yeah. What What are the uh, occasions for wearing these? Uh, well, I mean, if you just go out to McDonald's for that, I I go to McDonald's in that. I don't care. Interesting. Okay, but I also you looked had, up. You wanted to look at men's butts. Oh, listen, no, the next the next the, one, the next one is the is the you one you wanted to look at this one first. Yeah, okay, fu- future Victor, I'll do do this one first. Now he so, can he can see it. That's fine. We'll so, just won't show. Yeah, that's what that's why I was telling Future Victor, so we knew. Oh. So yeah, I was looking at like shirts and stuff, and I real and while I uh, was going through, I found a way to keep your shirt tucked in that really robs you of all dignity while you try to maintain your shirt. You tucked think in you dignity. didn't wear one of these when you were an infant? I was an infant. I didn't have a say. Okay. <laughs> this that's, is just it's a, just a male bodysuit. Yeah, and in the style of a polo. And it is I. 
I'm made very uncomfortable just by viewing Why? this. Well, for one, he's obviously wearing a cod piece, so they don't have the outline of his of his junk there. So that they put a lot of thought into like making his like his junk dome shaped. Okay, but I want all my shirts like this now. But like in general, why why don't you like it? Because it's trying to get to the root of something. It speaks to a level of commitment (laughs) to not committing to like just tucking in your damn shirt, and and they already have a solution for this on the previous one. They're called blousing straps. Oh, uh, these are garters. Sh- those are blousing straps. It's with, a, it's a, it's, with men, it's, a gar- it's basic blousing. It's a garter belt straps for they your are, leg. They are straps for your blouse. Okay, you blousing strap them down. And if you're in the it's Navy, a garter belt. If you're in the Navy form, and if you've ever had to make a bed in the military, they're also good for keeping your sheets super tight. It's so a garter belt. It, straps, they are so. blousing straps, and garter that's, belt. Yeah, listen. Well, it's not a belt. It's like a garter. It's yeah. a leg. Belt. It's a garter belt for your leg. No, it's it's, it's a blousing strap because you d- could always just get like suspenders and shit. See, well, that's to keep your pants up. Yeah, but then but it also kind of keeps your keep, shirt tucked in. Exactly. Too. So there are two different things that don't do this. There's no overlap there. This is uh, too classy, though. Well, okay. So yeah, this, definitely not for you. I, I can totally rock. I used to rock that when I was. This a, reminds me of those uh, those uh, straps that hold socks up. Oh, yeah, back when they didn't have elastic and they're like, I, I saw those old commercials where it's like the woman was all like, oh, your socks are like slagging down. Uh, not going to touch your penis. <laughs> and then we made up, we created elastic socks. And everything got better. So that's what that, that's what that onesie is. It's, that's it's, the solution it's, it's to this. Solution to, oh, There's the solution. That's the future uh, of humanity. No, he looks way too dignified for what he's wearing. That, that, that is. How so? Yeah, it's weird that it's got like a it's like a polo shirt. Yeah. So the and then it turns into like a bikini. It's a bodysuit. It's like he's planning on drinking so heavily that he's gonna get disheveled, but he's cut that off at the pass. Like, I'm just gonna yeah, I'm just gonna have a wedgie the whole night. <laughs> what if it was shorts? Would you wear it if it was shorts? Okay, if it was boxer briefs, that'd be more dignified, yes. There we go. I would wear boxer briefs under that so my boxer briefs would come out. <laughs> oh, can you imagine those things like just pinched down and like kind of sticking out? Okay, that's enough of my fashion of, of Spike's fashion corner. So apparently, um, I actually saw this, I think, on TikTok. A teen accidentally moved into a retirement home, a 65 and older. Um, she's 19 and she did share it on TikTok. So they just let her move in? Well, how does that accident continue to happen? Like so I can imagine she... like accidentally checking in and being like, hey, do I live here? And then and they, they're like, they're, no. No, no, you don't live here. But they actually let her live there, <laughs> right? So she she uh, was getting ready to move to an apartment out of state and had never seen it in person. Um, she took a lot on faith. She, <laughs> so I'm not saying about a whole lot of like how it actually happened. Um, well, because also the community also screwed up, so they probably don't want to put that on blast. They had let young people into an old folks' community. So she said, the first week of moving here was crazy. I was busy with finding a job and setting up my apartment. I didn't even notice. I thought it was a bit weird that all of my neighbors were significantly older than me. After my first week, I saw a sign in front of the apartments, and it clicked. Uh, most of our neighbors are over 65. All of them are nice. And, well, and yeah, sh- there's literally no explanation of how it happened. How she except, slipped through okay. the through some weird cracks and landed there. Well, when she's there, like there's a lot of like listings I found for like like housing opportunities for for women that are way cheap. Like I, you look around, and it's like, hey, there's a apartment for rent, and you know you only have to spend like two hundred dollars a month. Like, how does that work? And it's like, oh, you have to be a twenty year old woman. Oh, there we go. Uh, according. She said that someone had sent her the listing and she snapped it up without ever seeing it in person. It was, they are equal opportunity housing, meaning they do not discriminate based on age. However, it is designed for senior citizens as that is the primary age group residing here. I'm the only teenager in sight. They have about 10 apartments on site. I'm the only teenager here. It has definitely been fun getting to have extra sets of grandparents. I plan on staying for a while. I absolutely love my neighbors. I go up. So does she, yeah, she looks there. She's like, oh, man, this, yep, this is my That's screw that, up. Oh. This is like I'm laughing off my, my huge screw up that I decided to put on blast the entire planet. So 
technically, it wasn't really a screw up on either part. Uh, yeah, she right? just didn't look into it. <laughs> And it was a good deal, mm. and they they apparently don't have, like, actual age limits like most senior living mm. places. So, you know, well, yeah, like I, they're like, oh, you can pay, and you're, you have good references, cool, you can live here. Well, yeah, because I see, like, a lot of the – I used to deliver to these places when I was still a delivery driver, and there I wouldn't mind living in something that size because it's like a living room and a bedroom and a small kitchenette, and, like, especially, if, like, you know, for my income – that would be a, a fine place to live. Yeah, I wouldn't mind having a bunch of old neighbors either. Oh, yeah. Like, do you think she gets hit on, like, less or more than she normally would? <laughs> She's kind of cute, so. So this is interesting. Uh, numerous people have commented on her TikTok videos with one person saying, for people confused, most of those places are required by law to rent, for example, 15% of the units to 40 plus or 18 plus. And someone else said, my friend moved into one when she was 24. She still lives there 10 years later and loves it. She plays bingo with everyone. Well, there you go, I guess. And someone suggested a show called Boomers and the Zoomer. <laughs> um, I would love that. And then, right. like, kind of you were saying, this is my dream. Quiet neighbors, bunch of adorable grandmas and grandpas to hang out with. Well, yeah, because I'm pretty quiet. I've been quiet pretty much my whole life. I've never been, like, the, the, the loud neighbor. So, like, I could have fit in at any point in this place. <laughs> Someone said, I'm more interested in the fact you moved to Arkansas on purpose. Uh, <laughs> yes. Right? Like, yes. So there's, there's obviously like a like a like a college opportunity there or something. Yeah, I think she's moving there for school. Oh, there you go. Yeah. I was like, uh, and really that's a good like if you can man maintain quiet, like that's the that's a really good like living arrangement for like a college student. Then. Yeah, I don't want to live with a bunch of young testosterone driven men and oh yeah my first night in the navy they like slid on the mattresses like and these are a bunch of like 20 like 19 to 20 somethings <laughs> so she it was, was literally just moving to arkansas to start a new life in a small oh, town she just oh wow she she went the other Where way that most young move? she moved from oklahoma to arkansas i don't i don't yeah, i don't know if that direction makes sense right mo she, well that's more of a lateral move but it, yeah. that's like one of the arkansas. few that's one of the few 19 year olds who's like no no i need to go to the country not the wait you mean the the city no no I want to move to a small town. Hmm. Wait, is there like an acting opportunity there or something? No. I'm confused. <laughs> well, how about a story about a teen that's not quite as warm? Not, not quite as charming a story. No. So a young woman who is now 18 rigged the homecoming queen vote with her mom. And because she was 17... When she committed this offense, she's being charged as, a, as an adult. Now, let me tell you, like, Wait, if, to all you people out there saying that election fraud doesn't happen, listen here. She can see up to 16 years in prison. Yeah, and I think that has to do with the fact that it was it was for done. For homecoming? <laughs> That's like a little, like, teenage, like, prank. Dude, Zach Morris did that. <laughs> right? Okay, so let's, let's read the story. Okay. She's pleaded not guilty to multiple felony counts. Um, because they hacked into the school district computer system. Okay, that's that's getting a little felony. Yeah, uh, a little she's felony. been charged as, as an adult. She was 17 when the offense occurred, but shortly after they picked her up, she turned 18. And her, she and her mother, who is an assistant principal at a local elementary school. Her mother helped with this. Yeah, her 50-year-old adult mother. Um, they've already written not guilty, please. And the lawyer, their lawyer, because they're sharing a lawyer, requested a jury trial. He's saying, these are good people. They're not crazy as some people are trying to depict them. They're basically decent people. Except for this one thing. Um, <laughs> Except for the hacking into the mainframe. And, and the girl's father let's, let's be honest, and her... Election tampering. The girl's father is... And, and her the mom's husband is one of this lawyer's best friends, and he's representing them pro bono. Oh, nice. Hmm, interesting. Uh, so they're each charged with felony offenses against users of computers, computer systems, computer networks, and electronic devices, in addition to felony unlawful use of a two-way communications device, Ooh, yawning. felony criminal use of personally identifiable information, and misdemeanor conspiracy to commit those crimes. Okay, so there's like two ways I think this could go. Either like... They're going to throw the book at them and we're going to have to like adjust the laws. Like, yes, they did like something that sounds scary, but realistically what they did was something that in any other era would have been like some local story that's kind of quaint. 
Or they're going to get charged kind of low because what they did was still kind of quaint. This is like back uh, or Saved by the Bell, the dark version. It's like right. Zach Morris. We're going to have to send you to prison for 16 years. What? So part of part of the white... He's like, hold on. This I'm is... going to get arrested? <laughs> this is a problem, though, because they gained access to the accounts of hundreds of students. Um, and... They they hacked in. I don't like how the hell do you hack into a school system? Well, like a lot of times where they say like my account was hacked. What happened was they guessed your password or someone. She she, this like the mother worked in the school, so realistically, what happened was she worked in the district, not in the school. What she does, she probably has access to like the network, or she walked into there for some reason because and someone knew her, and she looked under somebody's keyboard and found a sticky note with a password on it. It was probably way less low. It was probably lower tech than like, <laughs> I'm in. Investigators found 117 of the fraudulent votes originated from the same IP address and were traced to the mom, which also, according to the affidavit, which also said 246 fraudulent votes were cast through the mom's phone and home computer. So count that up. That's 260, no, 363 fraudulent votes. <laughs> Um, here's where it is. As an assistant principal in that district, the mom had access to Focus, the district's computer program that records student ID numbers, dates of birth, grades, test scores, medical histories, emergency contacts, and disciplinary actions. Program also allowed students access to a third-party application called Election Runner used to cast votes for the homecoming queen during those dates. So she violated HIPAA. She violated, I, I don't know if, I don't even know what place this was, what state this was. This feels Midwest. Um, probably. There's also CMIA in California, which is the Confidential Medical Information Act, I think. Um, so, like, well, look, well, that's why it's felony. Right. And why there's so much at risk, because... They accessed these records improperly, and um, like that's big bad. That's now, real big bad. While I understand, like they should have some like legal action against them. I, I don't know if like the, the the over ten years of prison time. Like you have to look at what they actually did. I know it's not like they were uh, trying here to. Here we go. Here uh, we go. Okay, if they actually did something, let's find out. Uh, there were statements from other students who told investigators that this girl had been using her mother's focus account to glean information on classmates since at least freshman year. Oh, okay, there we go. She looks up all of our group of friends' grades and makes comments about how she can find our test scores all uh, the time. There we go. Okay, now it's getting worse. Okay, we're getting up into like five-ish years, I think they should do. In December, school officials moved to expel this girl, Grover, for the unauthorized use of of her mother's focus account. Prior to the conclusion of the disciplinary process, Grover emailed the district superintendent admitting she used her mom's account and pleaded for leniency but did not confess to rigging the homecoming queen contest. She was suspended for 10 days for unauthorized use of technology, using her mom's password, and looking at information she should not have seen. Okay, so look, I think, listen, yeah, like I said, that maybe not 16 years. Uh, hold on. Oh. Of everything I've done, ignorance is hurting me most. I 100% knew it was wrong and would do anything to undo it. I'm sorry, are you ignorant? Okay, that's not ignorance. Or are you then. an asshole? That's not ignorance then. I'm like, you, you knew. I knew because, look, I, uh, everything I do, ignorance is hurting me the most, but also sentence two, I 100% knew what I was doing was wrong. So those two sentences are in complete contradiction of each other. Yes, yeah, she's. She's not stupid. ignorance. She's an asshole. Okay, wait. Uh, she's well, how old now? Eighteen. Okay. Okay. In that case, listen. You know, if you know, spread some favors around and listen. Let's shave some time off her. Well, it's. I think it's that pro. This focus program that they yeah, use. That's, yeah. It has everything on it. So even if you're going in there to do one thing, it's like I'm gonna rig the homecoming queen contest. But like you still have access to all this other sensitive information. Yeah, just that's, well, that, that's why? There. Why? It's like I could do stuff with that, but I'm not going to. I'm just going to focus on the. On why the does school. someone who's responsible for the elementary school in the district have access to information from the high school? So there's yeah, there's a whole bunch of things they need. That's to, like, a fucking problem. They need to compartmentalize. So there's a bit of like that. That's this is a good thing to learn. Is like they need to compartmentalize who has access to what. And you know, like I said, 
they should totally face some legal action. I don't know if 16 years is like the. Uh, they're probably not. They're probably not gonna. This this shit. They're probably not gonna face 16 years. They're probably, probably not. They're probably not. But if they had tampered with like all of the stuff, in then there, probably they sh- then they probably should. Yeah. But if, like, <laughs> if like they, if they if they were like saying, oh, we're gonna delete some medical records here. We're gonna do some of this. Yeah. Right. Grade if, stuff if here. Find, if they find that, yeah, totally, <laughs> totally throw the book at them. But if they're just a couple <clears throat> of idiots with like doing the dumb little like oh a homecoming queen bullshit. Just punish them at the level of stupidity and move on with our lives. Let's no, she's been looking at other students' grades. Okay, so well, is that sixteen years and, worth? And getting that... information since freshman year, so that's four to five years worth. So, it, well, I mean, he is, that worth, is that worth is that worth six, time? Is that worth sixteen years of her life, or is that worth maybe four or five? Let's 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 be honest. Depends here. on what exact information she was getting and what she was. Okay, so we'll see because you know we'll, we'll see what happens. Yeah, we'll see what happens, and if and I I like, we can change that depending on like what they come what comes out, and what I like here is like speaking of um, of weird situations that you don't exactly know how to deal with. Given the the perpetrator of the crime, we have uh some some some, some California condors. They look like. Vultures. They do look like vultures. They are like, vultures. A California condor is a vulture. Do you see how its head is bald? Mm-hmm. That's so that it doesn't get bacteria stuck inside close to the skin when it eats when it sticks decaying, its head. rotting meat. So we decided what? to call them condors. Yeah, because what it's they just, do is the type yeah, of a vulture. They'll go they'll go into like the, the, the stomach and the eyes first and they'll just get their head all up in there. So That's cool. So oh, think yeah. about like would you rather have this nice head of hair and get like soaked in a bunch of like gross wet stuff, or if you were bald, just and it would just come right off. Yep. Remember, remember so. Travis's head? How the sweat just like beat it off. <laughs> he probably had a clean. So this happened in Tehachapi, California. Um, Where is that? Fifteen to twenty of these birds have taken a liking to her house. And have made quite a mess, apparently. Yeah, this is one of those things where it's like, okay, I want them gone, but they're an endangered species, so I can't just shoot them. They've trashed the deck, ruining a spa cover, decorative flags, and lawn ornaments. Plants have been knocked over, railings scratched, and there's poop everywhere. And and we have uh, experience huh. with with um with fat with fowl here. How come it's just her house? I'm sure there's other people. Well, apparently, <laughs> they just like her house. <laughs> and that's the that's the other thing is like if it was spread around, that'd be one thing. But it's just her place. So, Fish and Wildlife uh, suggested that she try harmless hazing, hazing like shouting and clapping or spraying water. <laughs> um, the house is in historic condor habitat, so like mm. they can't really do a whole bunch of stuff. Um, and then there's a little story about condors, which almost vanished in the 80s before the few remaining birds were captured and placed in zoos for captive breeding. A few hundred birds are now in the wild. As condors recolonize parts of their historical range, people could increasingly find themselves interacting with the curious, intelligent social birds. Okay, I was told colonialism was wrong, so we should absolutely fight these mm-hmm. birds at every corner. But um, also, this is like, yeah, so a couple of things. Well, one, this is like when a chick like decides to swing on you and they swing on you like from the hip with complete impunity because they know you can't swing back. Look at that. Look at that deck. Right. They are just going to town. And like I said, they just don't give a shit. They don't like, like a chick when she's drunk and decides to swing. She, it's like, I, I know you're not going to swing back. What are you going to do? And they're just like, they're just going to camp out, like smoke dope and drink beer on their, on their property and be like, Oh, call the cops. Go ahead. What are they going to do? Like we're going extinct. Yeah. Okay. California condor do don't to go care. Extinct? Yeah, they don't give a fuck. <laughs> like sitting there playing like loud rock music. Oh what? Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. No, call the cops. Nothing. This is condor territory. This is, this is yeah, condor they just—they're gonna do whatever they're gonna do. Like, condor fang. You can't. You can't really get rid of them. You can't. You, and these birds are tagged. Also, when, when right. they say when they say light hazing, I thought it was more like from a, like a navy perspective, where it's like, oh yeah, you tape them to like a to like a bench <laughs> and you spank them a little bit, or you make them like run through like a ga- a gauntlet of people like kicking at them or something, you know, a lot of stuff like that. Jeez, what the hell happened to you? Listen, uh, camp, summer camp in the navy are times where you're gonna do some gay stuff, and you and you just gotta accept that. So imagine when they're trying to sell 
the house or something. They'll be like, yeah, it's really got a great view. <laughs> uh, other good amenities, but there will, be, there will be condors that will be hanging out. It's a great place to watch the revitalization of a species. <laughs> Can we get rid of them? No, we can't. Uh, no, you, you are legally not allowed to. One of them comes in. It's like, I'm using your bathroom. Did that bird just speak to me? <laughs> hey, uh, listen, we ran out of bong water, so we're filling up the bong from your, from your sink now. All right, so you can live with these majestic creatures. Okay, wait here before we um we move on. Yeah. To the movie, how about we take a quick break? Sounds uh, good. I'm gonna get another beer, and um, yeah. All right. No idea how to use your fancy new. I know toy. how to use it, just not every a single little bit. Jesus Christ! Ah. Anyway. Why you got? Why you got to te- technology shame me to the at every transmit turn. podcast? Uh, Let's uh, watch a quick trailer for the Great Escape. Again, literally one of my favorite films of all time. Oh, it's a great movie. Even though it's three hours long, oh my uh, God, but there's so long. there's so many good little bits and right. things. And the sad death of eyes. Right. What was that like a butt bump? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, they would have done that they better in, in the modern era. To We're going to devote our energies to sports and gardening, all the cultural pursuits. Meanwhile, we dig. How many are you taking out? You dig. Two hundred and fifty. You dig. So they planned on two hundred fifty, and we'll we'll look at the uh, the article from the History Channel. But they had planned on taking 250 people, and... Well, I'm just going to believe... 50 were murdered. The text in the beginning where it said everything that you see here is true. 100% of it was true. Except for some of the characters were just made up. (laughs) Yeah. And the events. But then they they said, yeah, some of the characters matter, but everything else, like the way it happened, is true. No. (laughs) So Richard Attenborough's character is based on... a true person, Roger Bushel. I know that. The Americans didn't have as big of a role in the escape as they made Steve McQueen's role to be. But they and like James right. Garner. But they did the right thing and changed that. No. Oh, yeah. They just, they wanted Steve McQueen to have this role, I think. I mean, and why wouldn't you? He's so good. All right. Thing with James Gardner, he was like, a, let me tell you, like I'm not gay, but oh, dude, I'd I'd, I'd make love to that man. So it wasn't a good escape. It wasn't exceptional. It wasn't above average. It was great. 80, 88 percentile at least. Honestly, this movie kind of just it keeps you on the edge of your seat in so many ways. Um, it's definitely not like a, a thriller that we're really used to. Very true. Um, but there's. It holds up, I think. In oh, I, I agree. Yeah, because it, it, it keeps it, 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 it changes pace a bunch. Like they keep doing different things. Like mm-hmm. and especially like the last third of the movie, what we're seeing a lot here is it turns into yeah, a, a kind of a different movie. It goes from like a thriller to like an action chase movie. Yeah. Which is like yeah, which is really fun. And like Steve McQueen, like listen, whenever whenever Steve McQueen gets on a vehicle, oh you know, yeah, you're in for a good time. Because I mean he. I think he did all of his own vehicular stunts over needles. the course of his... Essential for sewing. Wait, I want to hear about needles. But maybe not for people no. with certain... He did, I think probably... essential for sewing. If it's not all, true. the majority of his own vehicular stunts um, through his career because, I mean, he was a race car driver. Oh, yeah. You know? So, let me, so let me, is Jerry. Let me read through a couple of these names here. We got Steve McQueen, James Garner, the, the, the scrounger, the handsome man that even you were like, oh, my God. That strong jawline. We got uh, Richard Attenborough, who you uh, who is Big X, who you may know from a uh, from as um, Hammond from or not Hammond um Hammond ha- Hammond from uh, from Jurassic Park. Charles Bronson, looking so young, looking like no, not a day over forty five. Danny the Tunnel King, James who Tunnel. had a fear of tunnels. Yeah, uh, uh, remember Bly the Forger, who went blind mid mid mission. So like, James Coburn uh, uh, is from In Like Flint. He played the Flint character, which I don't think either of you have seen. I have not seen uh, it. It's one of my favorite film series. Okay, ne- next year, we'll put that on the list. Let's see. We got uh, What do we got here? Uh, John Levin, the Tunnel King. There's like two Tunnel Kings. Like, wait, let me see. What? 
Well, I mean, because they were talking about you had they they were digging three tunnels, so you couldn't just have one person digging all three. You needed at least three people doing the most of the the digging. So really, it should have been a little more of like a tunnel senate. There should have been a tunnel like you know majority house whip, a, a, a tenant majority or a minority house leader. Uh, maybe some tunnel uh, like you know uh, activists. You don't like the tunnel monarchy. Yeah, yeah, tunnel monarchy is like that's old fashioned, especially for such a complex tunnel system that we have nowadays anyway so i mean it's it's a pretty excellent cast i don't know how how well the german accents were pulled off i'd have to ask it was it was great i'd have to ask someone um but we we keep the americans and the english in in the cast was absolutely spectacular especially for oh like for the day especially like like it feels like not like you would know today but like that was like if you had like arnold schwarzenegger it's like the expendables of today i guess except nobody really liked the expendables i think uh, I, I liked I it. Feel for like, what I feel it was. like that film series kind of fizzled pretty fast. I think it, it just three solid movies. It just didn't uh, get the national it didn't. The big acclaim that it. Listen, that yeah. it felt as, that it as a fan of '80s action movies, I love those movies for what they were. Yeah, it's more like the movie Red. Oh, oh yeah, there we go. That's a good one. Where yeah. you get Bruce Willis, uh, Morgan Freeman, John Malkovich, um, Helen Mirren. Yeah. You know, oh, yeah. like the, I feel like that maybe is a little bit more, but it. I think that because of the time, the kind of the acclaim that this movie received, people looked at movie stars a bit differently than we do now. Mm-hmm. Um, it it wasn't so much as like, oh, these are people who I want to, you know, I want to dress like them, or you know, I want to change my body to these were people they looked at them as i mean it was they called it like the golden age for yeah. a reason well, and there was more mi- i think it helps. look at them as though How'd yeah look at them? well i think there was more mystery because like a little bit more mystery they were superstars yeah there was no there was no like um social media that they were always pumping into to help their brand so it was always like i don't know what this guy does 100 percent of the time so like the I, all i see it like the most time i see him is on screen and I see him in these big roles, or he or she. It's like it's like it it's it's like you're so used to this person being in this kind of a role or in doing these things, but then you get to see them act with this other person that you also love to see in their in you know their genre or you know their type of films. Mm. I don't know if Steve McQueen and James Garner and, and Coburn and Bronson like did other movies together, like two of them or you know three of them or whatever but like this was kind of it was big right and yeah so that and i like and i i kind of like that that little better than like i know every thought that goes through every celebrity's head if i want to honestly (laughs) yeah some people don't like that um so so i always thought that uh steve mcqueen whenever i so when i saw steve mcqueen's face in this film i imagined like the the ranch dressing, but that wasn't Steve McQueen. Dressing. What? Wait, so is he like the ranch dressing of the movie, or no, 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 like the literal ranch dressing that you can get? But that was the that's the Paul Newman. Now we're talking. Oh, hi- oh I was gonna dressing. say, are we talking Hidden Valley or what? No, he's thinking Paul and then Newman. I, then I thought about uh, who's another. Newman. Then I thought about all Arnold Palmer. <laughs> that's a golfer. But he's a golfer. Mm-hmm. So it's, I I feel like Steve McQueen, Arnold Palmer, and Paul Newman. There's some overlap in your mind. So you've are you telling me they all me that blended you, into one person in my mind? Are you telling me that this I'm like, is like oh the, the golfer? This is the ranch f- dressing guy is in this movie. This is the first time you've ever seen Steve McQueen's face. <laughs> I think so. I just imagined whenever you say Steve McQueen, I just imagined like that drawing on the Paul Newman ranch dressing <laughs> bottle. Hey Sam, do you need a drink? Right yeah, now? yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I am. You married this man. I know. And, and it hurts. I'm, I, 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 I'm in pain. Thank you, Vicky. I'm stuttering. I can't even get, I can't even get like words. I'm not, listen, I never said Do you know who Paul Newman even is? I he's like a Steve McQueen, right? I'm, I'm not laughing at you, Victor. I'm laughing with you. <laughs> Paul Newman is like. Have you uh, seen the Sting with 
or Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid? Oh God, this is this is. Thank you, God. I'd like to thank, I'd like to thank Jesus for this right now. I don't know. All praise I've be never to seen you. Those movies. I had the ranch dressing. Do you know who Robert Redford is? If listen, if Robert Redford, yeah, he's the. Uh, Okay, let's, let's look. No, 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 no. <laughs> he looks like a... You know what? That's another one. I think he's like Steve McQueen looking dude. Here, right? listen. Fuck! <laughs> can I... Can, they all listen. look like Steve McQueen. Sam, may I uh, do... May I try to do the plot synopsis? Yeah. Okay. While you, you were trying to... So, basically... The, do the, it short. The movie starts off with that. They, all these escape artists wisely get dumped in the same um, specially designed stalag for all the prisoners of war. Because that's apparently what they did in World War II, is just Brilliant. put all the officers all the together, specifically the ones that have like 15, 20 escape attempts. Under Some mouth. of them actually like escaped and were out for a while and then you caught them again. All with skills, like language skills and like uh, the ability to scrounge things. They put them all in the same spot. So they're unintentionally creating the, uh, the, the perfect, expendables? The, per the expendables of yeah. escape attempts. The Ocean's Eleven slash expendables. And what follows is like a series of like, you know, um, tunnels and like um, distractions throughout the movie. Well, the first two thirds of the movie as they like set up this whole like escape attempt and the last third of the movie is them so like bad. spreading out and like you know like going out their different ways to escape uh culminating in like should we uh, go with the what what happens at the very end or should we save that for a little later you could, yeah, just i mean it's it. it's historical we okay, may as well, well spoiler alert for the movie if you want skip ahead 15 seconds they execute about like 50 of them and they they make it a little different in the movie as it was in reality but uh, a whole bunch of them die and steve mcqueen goes back to the to the the cooler, and you know it, it. It sets it up as more like he's gonna try again. Um, yeah. So I expected it to have like them to all escape. Yeah, it looks like Arnold Palmer. Paul what Newman. the fuck? Wait. <sighs> looks like Steve McQueen. No, he doesn't. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna pull up. <laughs> you know what? They're just all old. Why am I not drunk right now? I need to be drunk. Actors and oh boy, I feel like I feel like that's you're a sixty year old man. Like, he wasn't drink, sixty at the time. I'm gonna drink me some Arnold Palmer's and I'm gonna put some of this Paul Newman's own ranch dressing. Oh boy, this is a whole thing that's happening to me I'm right put now. Some Steve McQueen <laughs> on. They do not look alike, besides the wait. fact that they're three white men with blue eyes. Wait, 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 wait. Someone actually made this? So then I'm proven right. No, you're, no, you're not. You're That's just, I searched. Someone put them together. They no, fucking let, knew each other. You didn't create that picture. Someone on the internet created that triptych right there. Because they happen to know each other, you racist. <laughs> they all look the same to I me. I swear to God. You are a fucking ass. <laughs> Let me guess, do all Chinese people look alike to you? Uh, look, they well, were friends back in the day. <laughs> Paul Newman and Robert Redford acted in so several movies together. I just see two. I, I don't know which one is which. Clones. Which one looks like Brad Pitt, actually? Let me ask you. One's got a mustache. The one no, which one which one looks like Brad Pitt? That'll tell you which one Robert Redford is. Uh he's on the left. Yes. Robert right. Redford is basically how Brad Pitt is aging because they literally look the exact same. Wow. Well, <laughs> this is maybe. Oh, uh, this this is the best. I want. Uh, I, I want to again thank Jesus for for this gift. <laughs> I don't know. Is this is that Brad Pitt or is that Robert Redford? You know, I. Do you even know what Brad Pitt looks like? It's a guy with blonde hair. It's it's a white dude on a motorcycle. Come on, Vic. Meet Joe Black is like your favorite movie. Come on. <laughs> me, me, Joe Black, what's that? Uh, come on, that's a great poll. That's a Brad Pitt movie where he's a he's an angel who's inhabited by, a, or he's a guy who's inhabited by an angel who wants to bang a chick. Look, look oh, at, look like at Michael. this. Look at Michael. this. I mean, you got Steve McQueen, Paul Newman, Babs, and fucking Sidney Poitier. Oh, my God. This I know, we, we know uh, Sidney Poitier. We're colored, us colored people know. Sydney Portier. Okay, listen. How, how you, did you pronounce his last name? <laughs> also, 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 you're becoming Portier. Less, it's Poitier. Also, you you're you are less of a person of idiot. color every second you speak right now. 
No, we don't. Us colored people, we don't know about. Okay, for one, people of color, you fucking racist. Second of all, listen, I've tried to call them colored people, okay? They don't accept that. You're no, both you're saying, fucking Mexican. What you're not the hell saying, is wrong with you? Have to with say you? us, then you can say anything. Oh yeah, if you say us, yeah, you can say, listen, us coloreds. <laughs> if you say they, it fucks everything. Look, <laughs> the two of you. Spike looks about as white as I do most of the time. Okay, first of all, you, all the Mexicans look white. We, you, are maybe the closest out of the three of us. We don't being... know about Robert Redford or fucking don't, yeah, Paul don't, Newman. Don't, don't, I'm sorry. Don't... I'm sorry. <laughs> Why don't you ask Spike if he knows about them? Well, because <sighs> his dad looks like Robert Redford. <laughs> <laughs> no, he doesn't. So I, I think I think they all just know uh, each other. Like, oh, so all white people <laughs> know each other. No, they, they'll just like, you know, be walking. It's like they see, if he sees Robert Redford, we'll just give him a nod. Be like, hey, Robert Redford. And oh, then he'll be like, God. hey, what's up, Spike's dad? <laughs> this is the best. I'm so, I'm so happy right now. I don't know what to do. I'm so happy. Anyway. Anyway. So, we went on a big tangent about uh, Steve McQueen. Because you fucking jackass. <laughs> this is the best. Well, I guess I know, but okay, listen, I, don't, I don't feel like it's let, any let's, more. Let, let's hit a couple of the of the high notes here. Um, they they dug a series of tunnels to get out. Uh, a couple of them, or at least one, was found in the movie, yeah. and uh, causing the suicide of one of the tunnel rats. I'm not sure why he like. Oh, this is interesting. He killed himself because like he. They all knew there was more than one tunnel. I guess he thought they'd found them all. Um. So the Royal Air Force leader, played by. Richard Attenborough was based on uh, Roger Bushel, who was shot down during Dunkirk. Oh, wow. So He led a storied life. Yeah. And he was codenamed Big X. Um, and he planned to get... Is he going to give it to you? Over <laughs> 200 men out of the camp. And he allegedly actually did say, which they had in the movie, three bloody deep, bloody long tunnels will be dug. Tom, Dick, and Harry, one will succeed. And um, one did. Nice. The it movie makes good. out that it was a small group of mainly American airmen who part of the breakout. In fact, over 600 prisoners were involved in the construction of the tunnels. And while U.S. airmen did act as lookouts, they were all transferred to another camp months before the escape actually took place. But they rightfully oh. made sure that the Americans were heavily referenced. So Apparently, Bushel threatened to court-martial anyone who even uttered the word tunnel. Wow. Uh, see, I didn't know you could th- you could court-martial someone from a, a POW camp. That's awesome. I mean, well, well, I think I that's mean, like the fear of, like, hey, if we get out of this, if you're we, getting court-martialed. You're getting fucked. Right. Um, the, the long dick of the law is coming for you. The big, hairy, hey, hairy. Tom Harry. Uncircumcised. So they dug 30 <laughs> feet down, and then they it stretched 336 feet towards the woods and was shored up by 4,000 wooden boards taken from prisoners' beds. Yeah, they, they're sitting there like, they're like just pulling, in the movie, they're just like pulling wood from like everything that they could like hide it from. Like people are falling through bunks and stuff. It's actually yeah, kind of funny. Even like the, the architecture of the building, like the building started getting all... Like weak. Wobbly and weak. <laughs> You know, they do, engineering wise though, they actually do over engineer homes and bridges and stuff with just a little bit more than structure need, yeah. than they need, just in case there's like failure. Yeah. So that is kind of realistic. That is pretty realistic, actually. So the Germans made an inventory of the camp after the, like, we'll get back to some of the movie, but I mean, because this is a true story, basically. Mm. Like, some artistic and creative license was obviously taken for the film, but. They kept a lot of the stuff true to fact. So the Germans made an inventory of the camp after the escape. And along with the 4,000 bedboards, it was also discovered 52 20-man tables, 34 chairs, 76 benches had all gone missing and used by the prisoners for the tunnel walls and to build ladders. Also found missing were 635 mattresses, 192 bed covers, and 161 pillowcases, which had been placed along the walls of the tunnel to muffle sounds. 
1,219 knives, 473 spoons, 582 forks, and 1,400 powdered milk cans had been pinched and used as digging tools. Oh, that's awesome. And a 1,000 feet electrical wire. Welcome well, to government they're, bureaucracy. They're, they're, the way this was written. 1,000 feet of electrical wire had been nabbed and hooked up to the camp's main power supply. <laughs> These are just some examples of materials that went missing, and the full list was even more extensive. That's awesome. Okay, here, keep keep, keep reading that for a lot sec. of time to. Well, that's I the mean, great they thing did this the over break. months and months and months. But they had a lot of like unsupervised. I mean, yeah. Uh, you know, time to themselves. I would say. Uh, what was this? Um. It happened during the coldest winter that part of Poland had endured in 30 years. Temperature was below freezing. Ground was covered in a thick layer of snow. They did not have that in the movie. Um, I'm not entirely certain why. Um, yeah. Uh, so the tunnel was, in fact, a few yards away from a sentry tower and open ground. Didn't make it to the forest, which is, like, super important. Um, well, a lot of this uh, very much mirrors what we saw, actually. They oh, tugging yeah. on the rope to give the all clear. Also, a hundred percent true. Um, Steve McQueen being there. Seventy seventy six <laughs> men crawled to freedom. The seventy seventh was spotted exiting the hatch, as we saw. Uh, yeah, and so seventy six fifty ish were killed 23 i think i saw it said were returned all but 73 of the 76 had been recaptured two norwegians and a dutchman managed to evade capture the norwegian pair made it by train to the port at stetton smuggled onto a swedish ship and taken to the safety of gothenburg the dutchman made it across most of occupied europe via rail foot and bike aided along the way by various resistance movements Ended up in Gibraltar and was flown from there to England, where he would rejoin the Royal Air Force and go on to fight during Operation Overload. Yeah, nice. and in this film, The wow. Great Escape, we saw uh, we Charles did. Bronson's character. He, and he and looked his buddy. so young, right? Yeah. And it, I think he was the only one that didn't get captured. Oh, yeah. Because like, they were just like... They hopped on a, on on a dinghy. Yeah, they hopped well, on a dinghy. Well, there they had was, a very maritime kind of like escape. The, the, the Dutchman they're talking about was James Coburn's character who was helped by the Frenchman at that little cafe who hooked them uh, up with, uh, with the resistance. What's the case that never opened? Yeah, that's yeah. The thing. like they, they had this whole thing where like he's like, oh, him and his big steamer trunk? Like, oh, boy. What do you have in there, a piano? It's like, and, yeah, he's it's, like, and, you'll never know. You'll never, and he's holding it with his, <laughs> with like his fingertips. So at no point does it look like it's super heavy, and at no point does it open. So there's no payoff. <laughs> that's, yeah, no, that's like Chekhov's gun, but it doesn't. But it, yeah, it, it never fires. Yeah. Except you throw it in a river. <laughs> so um, I want to read this next part. Okay. As for the recaptured 73 men, 23 of them were sent to other various Nazi prison camps. The other 50 were not so lucky. An enraged Hitler personally ordered their execution, a direct violation of the Geneva Conventions. What? Hitler was a bad guy? What? While the movie depicts the men being killed in a single massacre, the Gestapo actually carried out the Fuhrer's orders by killing the men singly or in pairs along quiet country lanes and in secluded locations. Not creepy. Roger Bushel, the big X, uh, Richard Attenborough's character, who was the mastermind behind the escape, was one of them. Bushel had managed to travel some 400 miles in under 10 hours, but was caught the next day as he waited for a train at Saarbrücken, a town just 20 miles away from the French border. Wait a second, which one was... Big X. Big X was the guy with a scar who was like running everything. That's Jurassic Park guy. That's Jurassic that's, Park guy. That's John Hammond. What? I <laughs> mentioned that so many times. Like that. This is. I like to think like like in this universe, this is a prequel. He survives the execution and he goes on to like form Jurassic Park. Yeah, that's what I think too. There we go. And I, I so I liked a lot of this. Like in the first like ten minutes, they're there. Like this is the most unescapable camp, and like they're all hopping into like into like shrubbery trucks and like running out with or walking out with Russian prisoners and shit. And they're like they're, they're making like their best attempt within the first like 30 minutes of being there. It's actually kind of goofy and awesome. And I, and I really like that. Yeah. But then, um, doesn't the, 
That's the first two thirds, and then you say first the two thirds. Yeah, the last third becomes like an action movie. Well, let's talk about the first two thirds for a little bit. Like, um, they're 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 digging a lot. They're like try- finding out ways to like hide the dirt, like in the gardens and stuff. And they're like like throwing it like they're like spreading it out over the whole camp. And they're like one guy makes like garter belts with like socks to like disperse the dirt as he as they walk around in like a big circle those around. Were, those were blazing straps. No, no. See, <laughs> if they go down, they're garter belts. If they go up. They're blasting straps. See, at garter belts, they hold your, your stockings up. They were more just like... Uh, oh, they're bags suspenders. hanging around your... Sh- All right, yeah, they're suspenders. <laughs> suspenders. God. No, no, I don't need this shit. No. Okay. <clears throat> I'm out. Uh, my favorite part was was actually a part that you only caught, like, the second half of, uh, with, like, they just... They started hoarding all of the potatoes, and they did... Uh, their own little contraption in one of the rooms. Distillery, yeah. They made their own distillery, and it, they made. It felt like mash. They made moonshine, and vodka. this entire it was moonshine. This entire scene where they're making the moonshine. Only six words. Six words were spoken the entire scene, and the first time it was they each got a little bit of. The moonshine on their fingers, yep. and they they put it in their mouth, you know, consecutively, and each one was like, "Wow!" So you get three wows. the The third guy like takes like like puts it all over his fingers and licks that, and he's like got a little more like, "Oh wow!" And then and then they're like, "Okay, it's good." So they all they like they pour it into a cup, and each takes a sip, and then it's like, "Oh wow!" And it's like so much characterization and acting in that two minutes with with just one word with the use of one word repeated six times six different ways and normally yeah that like that that, could have gone horribly wrong with anything yeah if they if they they brewed it wrong they're all going blind well i'm just saying that scene yeah i mean just hearing the way you described it it could be stupid yeah it sounds kind of like it could be stupid but but uh, they 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 sell it and I, i like that like normally that's pretty good like prison like bargaining like monetary value they made it for july 4th just for july 4th like and i I, the american holiday normally yeah yeah, normally that's yeah normally that's just like trading equity in a prison and like you don't want to overprint that because like then then it loses (laughs) value i I think they had cigarettes too so yeah cigarettes but you know you can't print those like you can vodka yeah, you can't Potato vodka. It's like vodka printer go burr. So you don't want yeah, that. So they, I think they overinflated the value. Yeah, right. And well, that's the inflated thing. Inflated the value of the, vod- of the pr- currency in prison. And that's the thing. Like, But luckily, it's a consumable as well. Like the, that movie In Time, where you're both consuming but also printing the currency. <laughs> so it deflates at the same rate. It inflates. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You kind of burn, you burn it by yeah, consuming so at, it. At a certain point, someone's going to drink that currency. So like, it's great. So I think it's, listen, guys, everyone, listen to me. Dogecoin and vodka, invest in those two. Boom. Uh, well, I don't think we can argue that, actually. So, Did you want to uh, talk about how you didn't really anticipate that dark ending? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah we kind of already went over that. Oh, here. You, wait, you, really? were, you, had, you, you were talking about how it was, like, so... Yeah, I said that, like, they, well, really they all ended up getting captured. So well, really I thought quick. it was going to be fun. Really quick, we're at, wait, let's, let's give it another quick break. Oh, okay. Or we no. just wrap it up. We can just wrap it whoa, up. Whoa, 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 whoa. Let's give it another like five minutes after this so we can really like wrap it up proper. I so don't we'll think ta- we need five minutes. Okay, a few, like three minutes then. Two or three minutes to hit the high notes. You stress me out. I do. So we'll see you guys in a, in a, in a moment. Yeah, and just, we're back. I just thought you wanted to talk about how it didn't didn't really have like a super Hollywood ending. Feel. Well, it had that like happy music that Spike was talking about, and yeah, it didn't. I was expecting everyone to escape. I right? was expecting two hundred and fifty people to escape, and it would be a happy story. With, with some I don't wash. know much about. I guess I don't know that particular part of <laughs> history of the war. Yeah. <laughs> so, but then yeah, they all end up getting captured, and then Steve McQueen is there, like throwing his ball against the wall. Yeah, it's kind of it really brings it back because he starts off the movie getting thrown in the cooler for trying to escape, and they toss him the glove again in the cooler, and it's like, okay, it's like everyone's back at the same camp, and uh, fifty people are dead now. So, and, and it's, it's, it's it's kind of worse than they, it's they really, started. Yeah, really, kind of worse. 
Um, so, but I guess it's more of like a hope thing. Yeah. The, like, uh, like for instance, the Shawshank Redemption, that yeah. was a better hope movie in my opinion, because yeah, well, it's about human endurance, that movie. Yeah. And so I think they're both kind of about the same thing. They are about like but, in that uh, way. They yeah. both escape human endurance, uh, hope trying to like the hope is what kind of fuels you to get out. And, uh, Andy Dufresne got out, but uh, these guys didn't. Not all. Well, some of them did. Like the well, like some did. One, yeah. the Three steamer, people. Steamer trunk guy. He, because, he made. And the Nazis aren't really going on the boats or anything. Right. So <laughs> the got out. the man that was the commandant under like at the time of the escape was relieved of his command. Yeah. Um, like throughout the whole movie, it kind of seemed like he was kind of maybe not as like. Uber Nazi. Yeah, he, he was a light Nazi. Yeah, but apparently, like, they're like, no. And the new commandant who came in was... Oh, John Lovitz Nazi? ...was apparently so appalled with the mass murder of the escapees that he allowed the remaining prisoners to build a memorial, which apparently still stands today. Um, Stalag Luft Three, which is the one that this was, this was based in, was liberated in early 1945. And 17 months later, the police branch of the Royal Air Force launched an investigation into the murders, which, you know, the Gestapo made it real difficult to do. Um, but after a three-year investigation, 18 Nazi soldiers were found guilty of war crimes for the murder of the recaptured POWs, and 13 were executed. And finally... Uh, although only three of the planned 200 made it out on that fateful night, the importance of their attempt was undeniable. Jack Lyon, an, a Royal Air Force pilot who was imprisoned at Stalag Luft III at the time of the escape, said it did do a lot for morale, particularly for those prisoners who'd been there for a long time. They felt they were able to contribute something, even if they weren't able to get out. They felt they could help in some way. And trust me, in prison camps, morale is very important. I mean, yep. we saw that with Ives, the Scotsman, who was helping Steve McQueen's character try to escape. Like, he just gave up. You know, they're yeah, like, this did, man yeah. is close to breaking. And he did. He broke. So. Um, he decided to uh, commit suicide by a cop. All right, so let's go into a quick lightning round of things that I'd like to mention really quick. Um, their escape attempt really wasn't casual at that um, at that uh, that train station. They're all looking around like they're they recently escaped uh, escaped prisoners, right? Yeah. Okay, at the um, the cafe where the uh, fr the French underground pull a side trunk guy, they 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 straight up pull a drive by, which I really liked, especially he's like a phone for you, and he's like, uh oh, am I caught? And he's like, hello, and they both dip down, and then guys show up with they just do pull a drive by, like, oh, yeah, that was the resistance murdering la, some Nazis. La resistance, which was it was beautiful. It, it was, was beautiful. it was it was really nice. Um, Steve McQueen gets caught in some barbed wire. After running away right. from himself on a motorcycle, running away from himself on the motorcycle, which it was all that was a fun chase scene. Let me tell you, like he Good didn't need scene. to go, he did not need to go back to like uh, like talk to that Nazi. He's like, uh, "Come and see here," and he's like, "Oh yeah, I'm gonna come around." And then he kicks him and then drives away. He could have just sped off, but he wanted to kick a Nazi. It was kind of funny the way he stood up. It's like you can tell like he wasn't really knowing how to kind of sell barbed wire, right? But, like, err, err. Oh no, this is unpleasant. What am I going to do in this barbed wire? Can imagine that scene looking a lot different today. Yeah. Um, Makes the, me want to make you watch Bullet, which is one of Steve McQueen's standout. Right, we're in the lightning round. We're almost done with this podcast. Good Lord. Okay, I'll have a sound effect next time for the lightning round. And also, um, the scrounger and the, the uh, forger who goes blind halfway through the movie um they both get uh, they steal a plane and then crash that plane and then the the blind guy dies and the handsome guy gets to live which i think is best like let the pretty people <laughs> live so well yeah i guess that's how pretty people continue the population right yeah you gotta make sure you cannot let the uggos <sighs> stay alive for the love of christ if you're gonna shoot someone shoot an uggo well i think also he was more of a main character too so yeah it's more of like a main character survival but main uh, characters in movies tend to be the good-looking ones, so. True. All right, and that's that for lightning round. Next time, we'll have a better lightning round for you. But I think that, that was good to cover the stuff we kind of missed. All right, so that being said, yeah. this movie was a ton of fun. I think you should watch it. It's a classic. It actually moves along pretty good. And even if you don't like older movies, this movie moves along at such a clip. 
even though it's kind of long. If you got an even, if you got a, an afternoon to, to to commit, go for it. It's only three hours. Only three, <laughs> come on, you've watched Avengers. Shut the hell up and watch the movie. Watch the Great Escape. Uh, for me, oh shit, still Western. Uh, yeah, for me, my take on it is, um, I guess I'm glad I saw it. Put it that way. Oh, wow. <laughs> a, a, sto- a story of true American and kind of British heroism. And a, yeah. Mostly again, American. Again, I'll say one of the best films in my books. You just can't beat Steve McQueen, James Garner, uh, James Coburn, Richard Attenborough. Like, just spectacular. Thanks for listening to the Transmit Podcast. I'm Samantha. I'm Spike. I'm Victor. And next we'll time, see you next time. Oh, yeah. Next time we're watching... What, what do you want to watch next time? We'll talk about it later. Oh, god damn it. Fine. Well, it could be any of these great phenomenal uh, movies. war-themed films that we have uh, queued up. Yeah, yeah. Shut up. <laughs> you shut up. Piece ah, of shit. I cut you off. <laughs> it's still recording. His voice is still in there. Yeah, but it's not going into the camera, though. So his, his, ah! his version is blocked. I get to, I can, I can fuck with the levels. In the, in the, in the, in the podcast version, I'm God. Oh. But I'm also very humble. You take that. I'm very humble. So when are you gonna go pick up the mom? Are you, are you doing, uh, yes. the mom stuff? Yes.